Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, videos, quick tips, and other resources. My name is Curtis Winkle, and on today's episode, I talked with product manager over pilot-operated products, Jeff Port, and also joining us from Odessa was Tommy Bruce. Tommy is a seasoned veteran in oil and gas operations, used to be an operator himself, and now he serves as a business development manager for Kimray's store in Odessa. So Tommy was was nice enough to join us. Somewhere around Odessa, he drives all over the the place in Texas, around the Permian and Delaware basins, teaching classes and helping uh, producers understand uh, control products. We uh, we talked about some misconceptions in the industry, things that um, Tommy gets to explain quite a bit about uh, even just the, the pilot plug, one of, one of Kim Ray's most famous uh, pieces with the components within our, our core products. And then finally, we drilled down into the emissions conversation that uh, so much of our industry is having right now and, and some of the Kimray products that help uh, producers achieve their, their emissions goals, including specifically the back pressure with outside supply regulator. So hope you enjoy. How about, let's let's start, even before we get into the product, I'd just be curious, just like a, a day in, or let's say a week in the life of Tommy Bruce. I make, I make calls and talk to engineers. Uh, I spoke with a, I met an engineer for breakfast this morning and visited with him about emissions issues. What's something um, in your classes or, or things that you're, you're teaching or, or having conversations about, what are maybe some common misconceptions you hear or misunderstandings like about, about control products kind of specifically? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, the way the pilot plug works, hmm. Uh, I, I love to, I love to talk about that. Uh, and that's the way I start my training off because, you know, whether you use an outside source or whether it's in its original configuration, the pilot plug still does the same thing. And Garmin Kimmel was brilliant. Mm -hmm. He put that three-way valve in everything he did except for his dump valves. And you could almost say he put it on the high pressure motor valves too. With a with an external pilot, he's still operating with the three-way valve. Yeah, it's true. Pilot plug and seats. And so using that as a control feature, it has the pilot plugs and seats mm -hmm. and the temperature controller, the level controller. And I'm proud of the, the engineer who developed the new level controller as mm -hmm. they, they followed suit. Yep. And they, they have continued Garmin Kimmel's legacy. But the way pressure fights the the spring and compresses and and decompresses the spring for your set point uh I, the lights come on when you can see that in a cutaway and uh and so i really if i'm in a training class i spend the almost the first hour on the back pressure valve how about on emissions uh tommy misconceptions or things that you're you know, you're, you're, you're having to explain or getting to explain. One of the misconceptions that I get is, is people don't understand that unless you've got some debris under the pilot plug and seat, that there is no emission unless there is a pressure change. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, you could put a FLIR, a FLIR camera on a Kimray valve for 10 minutes, so long as it's a consistent flow, mm -hmm. or if your pressure goes down, there's not an emission. Yeah. The only time a back pressure valve emits an emission 
is if the pressure gets too high and it has to modulate yep. to open the valve. Yep, actuation. Yeah, venting versus bleeding. You got it. Yeah. If they pop the thief hatch on a on a on a big tank mm-hmm. to check the integrity of the tank once a year, they have probably emitted as as much as the entire facility that one opening that tank in that one time mm. as as six or seven back pressure valves do all year. Yeah. How how often are they opening the thief hatch? Once a month, I say they pop that hatch once a month and probably a good question for an operator. Uh, I I used to be an operator back years ago and those are things that I used to have to do. So let's let's get down now that we've got that ground covered to uh, the back pressure with outside supply. Um, so all the products we're developing now have this uh, emissions question in mind and so we're designing with the understanding that producers are are dealing with this question, trying to hit emissions goals, whatever they may be. So Jeff, why don't you just for, for us t- talk about the, the BPOS, why we designed it, what it's designed to do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the BPOS, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about this jokingly being called the Tommy valve, but Tommy was really the one who came to us to really verbalize the need based on what we were seeing happening in the industry. So we offered previously a product called the liquid back pressure, which was um, designed very similarly in terms of accepting an outside source of supply. But the original intent for that was to help in situations where we had high levels of condensate. So obviously, kind of like Tommy already talked about earlier, if a pilot gets trashed out, it's going to obviously not seal as well, which means we could have more gas um, venting to atmosphere. It's not going to function as well, uh, won't be as accurate. So the whole purpose of the liquid back pressure or LBP was that you could pipe in um, still natural gas, but from a higher and drier location to help save the pilot. But it was never really intended to be used with compressed air. Obviously there's some issues when it comes to um, compressed air and process gas mixing. So when we started to see um, producers going this way, which is pretty innovative in terms of working around some of the emissions regulations that we're seeing today to try and be completely emissions free, we wanted to make sure that we had um, a design that could handle that safely. So um, we made a very small design adjustment that would essentially create a fail-safe in case of internal failure um, with some of our sensing diaphragms um, around the pilot seats themselves so that if anything were to happen, we're not in any sort of catastrophic failure, but instead producer has a signal. They know when something needs to be maintenanced. So really, this is all kind of in response to um, a direction that the industry was starting to move in, and we wanted to make sure that we had a product that could adequately satisfy their needs, work well, and uh, do so safely. And so, Tommy, you've been installing a bunch of these and helping helping consult others as they install them. Um, what what are you primarily seeing them used on separators as back pressure back pressure regulators on on three phase separation, or where are you seeing them mostly? Yes, on uh, two-phase and then three-phase separators and then heater treaters. Um, 
a lot of people do it differently, but a lot of times there's two back pressure valves per per vessel, uh, one for the flare and then one gap back pressure to sales, two different set points. So they're making the conversions. And you've mentioned before um, this being something that, as far as if you're trying to address emissions, this is something that operators are somewhat familiar with uh, because we've had, you know, we've had back pressure regulators, we've had the liquid back pressure. And so even though there's a slight design change, it looks a little bit different. Um, are you, are you, do you feel like customers are pretty comfortable with it once they get a, once they understand what it's for? They do have a little bit of issue understanding that surface area gives them more power. And so they need to put a, an instrument, ga- an instrumentation compressed air regulator on the inlet to these valves. And that set point is an additional step that they're not used to. But once they understand that they need 60% of their set point to operate the valve and be able to operate it at, the, at their set point, once that does finally sink in, uh, I don't think they're having any issues with it. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, that's 60 to 100%. Can you walk just either, either of you guys just kind of step by step? What's that process? The way that Mr. Kimmel built the back pressure valve was he utilizes a diaphragm that's twice the surface area as the seat. Mm-hmm. If you fill that surface area with compressed air on the actuator diaphragm, you've got twice the energy of your process that's trying to open your valve. So you don't need as much energy to shut the valve or to control the valve as as you might think. Mm-hmm. So you really only need 60% of what you're trying to control to make that valve operate because of the way Garmin Kimmel had designed that valve. That didn't make sense, did it? No, I think it makes sense. Um, essentially, you know, you're trying to mimic your upstream pressure as close as possible because that's how the, you know, standard design works is essentially that upstream pressure is also what's feeding to the pilot. And so really the crucial piece is to not go below 60%. Um, but obviously there could be swing and fluctuation. So the 60 to hundred percent range, um, would help hopefully ensure that somebody isn't trying to go well above that. Um, since your upstream pressure could see some variation as well. Yeah. Uh, do you run it? So well, let me let me do this one first, actually. So if someone, when, when people are coming to you, Tommy, when you're having conversations about they're trying to, to get their emissions um, lower, how do you decide or how, how do you make, help them make the decision about which, which option, which is the best option for them? So because we have non-vent, products we have mechanical we have electric products how do you help them decide um actually i just i teach them how the pilot plug works once they understand how it works then i go to the non-vent and say that we're capturing it and injecting it into the downstream side now that said you've got pluses and minuses the valve works we've been making this valve for 30 years 40 years however long they've made the non-vent uh, and we've discovered it's got an issue and that Achilles heel is you've got to maintain a Delta P. Mm-hmm. So if you have a facility that the field pressure is such that it's so high that you don't have or cannot maintain a Delta P between your your vessel pressure and your field pressure, 
then this may not be a good fit for that. Yeah. Otherwise, if you can maintain a 10 PSI Delta P, this would be a good fit for that facility. Now, I, I must admit, people want a, a, a one solution across the board, and I can't give them that. Yeah. So I explained to them that in my personal non-engineer's opinion, that each well is going to tell you what's going to best fit for itself. So then I move on to the BPOS, and if they're willing to forego and put up front the the expense of putting an air compressor on site, then the BPOS is excellent. But it has an, an Achilles heel as well. And and if lightning strikes your electricity, or if the lines freeze and yeah. and ice breaks your 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 uh, electricity you're going to lose your air compressor mm. and mm. then the the bpos is going to fail open yeah i give them that option and then i go to the spring operated back pressure valves yeah they work and if you're not going to put an air compressor on there mainly because your if your field pressure is too high that the non-vent doesn't work and the, the well makes 10 barrels a day, but you've you've been given an edict to have zero emissions. So you've got a facility out there that you can't afford to put a $100,000 air compressor system on. The back pressure valve that's spring operated, the ATC3s, the, the AMUs, those valves, yep. they work and they will create a set point for you and will open at a set point. Mm -hmm. They have an Achilles heel as well, though. And their Achilles heel is that spring tension, since it's not pilot operated, the spring tension is on that seat all the time. Mm, mm -hmm. So as you're as you create an upset condition, if your inflow increases, you're going to have a deviation in your set point. Yeah. In other words, that spring is going to keep fighting and the valve will open. But to get the valve to open enough to handle the the inflow you're going to create more back pressure. And so that yeah. pressure is going to deviate. Yeah, we call Life lesson, I was on a facility. We wanted to set the flare scrubber to to open up at 100 PSI. I was on location when they set the, the back pressure valve. It opened at 100 PSI and worked perfectly. The field operator, he said, I want to try a upset condition. So he simulated an upset condition and sent everything that the facility was capable of sending to the flare and the set point deviated from 100 psi to 118 psi going to the flare so in order to get the valve open to handle the upset condition the set point deviated yeah. the problem with that was the set point the, the psvs were set at 125 psvs are only good to they they start simmering at 90 percent of their set point so yeah the pop-off valve should have been leaking then I give them the last option, and that would be to collect all of their emissions in the existing configuration and go to a low-pressure header and go to the tank and or uh, combustor or flare. Yeah. Do, do you – so we are talking about electricity and, uh, you know, you don't think about – sometimes when I, when I think about these products anyway, it's like, okay, we have the an electric actuator you could use on a – control valve or you could use 
the BPOS with air compressor, but both those options require electric power. And so I'm, I'm curious how much are you running into uh, places and, and operations where the infrastructure is not there? They don't have line power yet for for compressors, and are they are they finding ways to work around that? Um, we we talked to a guy a few episodes a, a few weeks ago uh, about mobile. Um, generators that he runs out. Uh, Baseline Energy was his company. Um, are you seeing anything like that? Actually, there's a guy in Farmington that is making a, uh, he's building a solar air compressor. And then as far as electric actuators, uh, most of our electric actuators that we offer are all DC, two 100 amp hour batteries and a 140 watt solar panel will give you indefinite 24 volt. That's great. And then in a back pressure, they'd be replacing the whole valve. Yeah. Unless Jeff Port comes up with an electric actuator to fit on the back pressure valve. <laughs> he's sketching over here right now. He's got. Yeah. You should see my drawings. Yeah. Tommy. He's got a back of the napkin <laughs> sketch going. So yeah. he'll have it in no time. <laughs> All right. You got any more questions for Tommy, Jeff? That was really helpful, Tommy. Yeah, it was super helpful. Um, you know, kind of just to reiterate. One of the things that he mentioned too, I, I would say that non-vent is definitely like lowest barrier to entry switch for somebody who's using our existing regulators today that wants to be emissions free. Obviously, like he talked about, there's plenty of Achilles heels or hangups. Um, you know, I'm going to probably make a different recommendation if we know they have low differential pressure or that Delta P he was talking about. If it's uh, less than 10 PSI, it's a no-go. Um, and also if they have wet gas, if they've got a lot of condensate in their process, it's probably not going to be a good option for them because there's not really a good way to troubleshoot that you've got a pilot issue with a non-vent valve. Um, next recommendation would probably be for a BPOS or PROS, um, depending on what they're actually needing it for, using that compressed air um, as the outside supply if they've actually got that option available, like we said, electricity on site, et cetera. Um, the spring-loaded back pressure options can be really great, especially for remote sites where we run into issues, the kind of Achilles heel, in my opinion. Obviously, we've got some uh, set-point drift situations, but it's really size, pressure, and flow that tend to be the biggest hiccups there because we don't offer them in every size um, and they are very limited on pressure range. So they can be really, really great for very specific applications. They just don't have a wide breadth of uh, variety that they can go into. So non-vent is usually where we start and outside supply has been a really great option for a lot of people since. See, you wow. didn't even need me on here. Well, he, do, he, didn't, he doesn't know anything though. That's we needed right. you to, to share all your yeah. knowledge. And he was like, so yep. what you're saying is, yep. and he just tries to yeah. take credit for that stuff. Yeah, you did. You did good. Tommy all right, Tommy. Yeah. We'll let you get back on the road. Uh, all right. Thank you. 